Yo, yo, yo. This is your boy Roy Matz, and this is another episode of Sync Gems. Today, I'm interviewing the one and only David Yousefi. I've heard about him before I reached out to him. He has been on so many amazing places that I wanted, I was curious to who was doing it and his name kept popping up and popping up and popping up. If you go on his site, you can see how many uh, <laughs> placements this guy has, how many placements this guy has, which is just unbelievable. It's un crazy. In this interview, we talk routines. We talk about how to connect and create community in the sync world and in general, and how to build your way into the craziness that he's built. He gives you all the inside secrets, no holding punches at all, tells his story in detail. And I absolutely loved how clearly and, and simply he puts all his points. I recommend you stay all the way till the end because actually like in the end he drops huge gems and a big hack for those of you who are just starting. If you like this podcast, make sure to rate and review it on whatever podcast platform you are listening to it. This helps the show greatly. And without further ado, my man, David Yousefi. Yes, sir. What is happening? Well, I just finished off my work for today. Um, and then later on, I'm going to go to the gym like every Tuesday, basically. Um, yeah, currently I have a pretty fixed schedule um, throughout the whole week, um, working from nine to five from Monday to Friday. And then I have my gym sessions. I have the time where I go out with the dog and yeah, just trying to you know, survive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, aren't aren't we all? Oh yeah. So man, listen. Like the f the reason I'm so excited, I, I held myself before we talked, but I, the reason I'm so excited to speak with you is that almost every trailer or piece that I am excited about in the last, um, let's say, let's say four months. Um, if we want to be really nitty-gritty, has had you. <laughs> oh, I'm not even kidding. Um, so I want to, I want to really, uh, we're going to dive into routines today. We're going to dive into you and into your nine to five and into uh, how, you, uh, um, how you manage yourself. And you're going to hear my dog because... Um, we just moved into a new place and she is here by me and I'm not really in the studio. So it's going to be a bit echoey, but uh, David, tell me about you, how you grew up, how you came up to the point that you are in right now to having your own company and to working in the volumes that you do. Yeah, sure. Um... So as far as my my story, it's uh, I guess pretty similar to most other composers as well. I started out um, playing piano when I was young, 
Um, my dad is actually a musician as well. He plays uh, also all kind of instruments, piano, guitar. He's mainly a drummer, though, also has his own band. And at a young age, he uh, gave me my first keyboard, and I was very inspired to mess around with it and play around with it. And he also had a small like home studio set up because he was into producing music as well, but just as a hobby. So I got into that fairly early. And um, yeah, I took piano lessons. And after a while, I um, just figured out that that like doing making music or writing songs, producing songs is what I want to definitely focus on in the future as well. Because I could never really imagine working a normal, a normal job, like a daytime job. So um, that was always, it's always been pretty much my goal to doing that sort of stuff. Um, and then after, after high school, I was fortunate enough to uh, get a scholarship to go to uh, Boston and, and study at Berkeley College of Music. Um, and the scholarship covered it for one year. So I tried to stretch out the year as much as possible by just uh, sitting into classes and um, taking off some credit so I can spread the time um, further uh, and then just try to make as many connections as possible. And then actually during the college time, that's where I also met my, my now wife. So we both, we both met in college in Boston. And yeah, once I finished, uh, she moved back to me and to Germany. And she's a sound designer right now working on some really cool games um, with multiple different companies as a freelancer. And um, yeah, after after some time in Germany, uh, I started uh, writing music for um, agencies for TV stuff. So that's, that's where I basically started. I was starting um, with uh, TV in Germany. Um, and then connecting with some people on Facebook. And um, I, I got into more like this epic and cinematic sort of music. Um, but back then, there wasn't really, trailer music wasn't really that much of a thing. So it was, for me, it was more just like TV promo stuff, writing music for baby diapers and <laughs> that sort of stuff. But at some point, I just got really sick of it. And then um, and I just tried to see what else is out there obviously getting into bigger stuff like movies or tv shows or games is a lot harder as a composer because you just need to you need to have the connections i did work on some uh, some of those projects but they were all uh, like indie stuff small things or student things like like the stuff you usually start out with um nothing big though nothing major um and yeah then after after a while i uh, i met up with brian um, from Ghostwriter, and um, yeah, he just started to work at Ghostwriter as well. And then I was visiting LA, and we met up. We had some sushi together, and I just told him about that. I'm just getting sick of writing music for TV stuff. And he's like, "Yeah, you should just come write for us." I'm like, "All right, yeah, sure, let's let's try it out." And then we, um, I think I got connected to the other folks at Ghostwriter, um, and we started to write an album for. It's like a more like 80s, 90s retro hip hop, that sort of stuff. Um, the, because there wasn't really anything out there during that time. And then while we were working on that album, um, we got a custom request uh, for a custom trailer for mid 90s. Um, and they basically wanted to use 
also like this hip hop route, and it was a overlay um, track we did. And um, so I worked on that, and that actually ended up uh, getting placed. So that was, that was basically my very first trailer custom I worked on, wow. and it got placed. Wow. And later on in that year, it actually also won the the trailer awards um, for best uh, overlay adaptation, something. Um, and from from that point on, they just kept giving me more and more customs, and um, yeah, that's that's basically how how I built my relationship with uh, Ghostwriter. I was also working with a couple other agencies during that time, but um, after a year, after yeah, I think it was yeah around after a year, they asked me to work uh, full time with them and to do like an exclusive exclusive deal with them. And it was actually a, a nice coincidence because they they wanted me to come to LA, and in the same time, my wife also got a job offer in America. So because we both were living in Germany, and then we both decided to take the offers and just both move to the US, and that was in 2019. Um, and then shortly after COVID hit, so we were just working from home anyways, and then uh, which allowed us though to move together because she was um, she was in Boston because that's where her company was, and I was here in LA. So then she came here to LA with me, and since then we've just been working from home. Um, and yeah, that's that's basically where I'm now. <laughs> wow, 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 wow! It sounds it sounds like there was a lot of luck but also a lot of skill. So, uh, um, you know, like sometimes there's a lot of luck and that's it. But I, I feel like because of your background, you had the skill to back it up. Does that make sense? And then, yeah, and, then think, and then, and then the, the luck pursued. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's definitely a mix of, of both of them. Also, I think one big advantage I had going into all of this was especially with trailer music because I haven't mentioned it yet, but at the beginning um, I started out with uh, working together with a partner of mine. His name is Rene. Um, and we basically built up our whole company ourselves and we did all the music at the in the beginning phases together. And what gave us the big advantage to all these other composers um, was that we were able to uh, first of all, we worked really, really well together. Um, he had very, or he still has very great uh, orchestral and orchestration skills. And he has his own sort of set of skills where he's really good at. And I have my own other set of skills where I'm pretty good at and it just uh, accomplished each other very well. And on top of it, we were also just much faster than most other composers, especially if you have um, a tight deadline. And then I say, okay, I'm just going to write all the percussion instruments and I give you a piano sketch. In the meantime, can you write the strings? And so the two people working on one track, we were able to finish it much faster with a much higher quality than someone by themselves could ever uh, do because one person can only do so much. Obviously, we had to split everything, but it was definitely worth it because that gave us the step into the doors for sure. And I think that was a very big advantage. I had there. The keys to the castle, man. You've you've dropped already <laughs> enough gems for the whole po podcast. Um, wow. Oh, are you drinking Lacroix? Damn. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Um, 
So a few things I want to get back to. First of all, the piece about um, getting somebody to complete you, but in the same time, which is so great. It's so great. Um, and the reason I think it's so great is because what I see a lot in the custom space is people a lot of the times, don't get me, don't take me on my word, but it's just like a lot of times people are very worn off um, mm -hmm. because they do a lot of work and then it doesn't get placed and it doesn't get placed and it doesn't get placed. Imagine all that work cut by half, you have space to breathe, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, um, to find the, that other, um, that yin or that yin or whatever you want to call it, to your skill set is just a brilliant idea, in my opinion. Just in, in everything, in business, in 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 um, in in music. That's something that I've, um, to be honest, I've been. Uh, it, it was really hard for me to let go of. To, to the fact that I'm, I, I just may be really, really strong at one thing and, and, and I'm good enough in the other thing, but it's not, uh, um, I'm not as fast and efficient in it. So, you know, like, uh, um, I think the biggest takeaway from that is just capitalizing on your strength. And... As a sound designer, I'm, I'm interested in, 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 in your perspective. What, is, what, what does it mean to do sound design for projects? Um, I mean, sound design for projects can mean various of things. Uh, usually, in, for, for, if we're talking trailers, we definitely have the set of the typical trailer sound design elements like risers, hits, downers, whooshes. Um, and then we also have the signature sounds, which nowadays are either synth-based um, stingers, if, if you want to call them like that, or they can also be um, like single string pluck instruments. Usually it's something weird, enticing, something which really stands out and um, adds some uniqueness to everything. Um when it comes to sound design, it's yeah, just designing those sounds and trying to have something fresh, trying to yeah, just bring the whole thing together. If they want, if they if it's a campaign for something more family friendly, then you have to have different sound design than if it's something more horror esque right. or so. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's tons of stuff you can do in that field. Yeah, interesting. So, like, what does it? Uh, I'm I'm interested because I'm I'm not a sound designer. I don't know exactly how that works. Like, let's say you you work on sound design for something. Do you get a ready to go uh, trailer or a ready to go uh, um, bit for a campaign, and then you just lay your sound design and take a percentage of it? Like, what does it look like? Um, in most cases, we in, in general, in most cases, we never really get the footage. It's uh, pretty rare that you actually get a footage to work on, even with sound design. And then in that case, um, yeah, so uh, they they basically just sent you a brief and asking you uh, asking you to provide certain sounds because you you're not able to see the footage most of the times because of NDAs issues and um, yeah. So usually they just they just tell you um, we want the, the, sometimes they send you references of what they after. 
Um, and then you just have to see and record stuff like that. But there are some cases where you do get footage and then obviously you can just um, design the sound design exactly on top of that. Usually um, I had there were some instances, for example, for some video games. Uh, one, one of them was the, the Walking Dead, the VR game, where they wanted me to do the whole sound design. Um, and that included the Foley and all that stuff. I actually got access to um, some of the sounds they did for the game itself. So I had uh, a library of like zombie sounds and whatnot, but um, there were other sounds I had to record myself or design to just add in there and um, yeah, just lay it on top, basically. That's amazing. That's super fire. Um... Okay, so you've you've been quite a while in the in this industry, and you've made a you've made your fair share of mistakes. I want to assume. Um, what was the biggest mistake that you've made, or what is the biggest mistake that you see other composers make? You can answer both as well. Yeah, I think the biggest mistake for me. I made in my early stages was uh, to never say no or to never really say what I want and always try to please everyone and everything. Um, And then we quickly come to the topic of getting burned out, Um, especially with, yeah, with trailers, um, with the tight deadlines, but also in the TV space. um, Sometimes it just never ends and they always want more revisions. They want, another alternative version they want this they want that and um if you always accept all kind of jobs especially at the beginning where i didn't really have any placements or not that many and i tried to get all any any type of work i could get um i would just work non-stop and uh fortunately i did have my buddy renee to help me out but even with him there were a few instances where i literally just got really burned out and i I just got upset at myself, at other people, and I just got angry and um, couldn't really focus. And and yeah, I mean, I, I worked like that for for the first couple of years, um, and it definitely had an impact on relationships with friends, with uh, with my wife, and um, also just with myself, with health and everything. Um, until I actually opened up and said said, "Hey, I'm I'm not gonna work." For example, right now, I, 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 I told my work, I'm not going to work on weekends. I'm just not going to do it. Even if something comes in, I'd rather have another composer do it. Only if it's like a very, very important thing. Like let's say I worked on something all week and it's about to finish and they just need some very quick changes or something. And then I have to go in on the week. Something like, like if it's a very important like emergency sort of thing, then I do it. But if it's a new custom which comes in or some a new project, I won't uh, tackle it on that on that weekend because uh, I just realized that I need to have some other f- um, priorities in my life as well and not only focus on on music. I guess yeah, the getting the priorities straight is maybe the one the one mistake I did at the beginning because I, everything I had and all my focus and all energy was just purely on music, and then obviously all the other things uh, in life will suffer under that. So. Big facts. So, what is it? I mean, what is it? What did it look like when you stopped doing that? Did it? Um, did you start uh, putting 
more boundaries to labels, except for the weekend thing, which I actually do as well. Um, was there uh, a certain way that you set boundaries? Would you um, would you reject revisions, or what, what 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 does it look like for you? Um, I usually just say that I'm I give boundaries on what times I'm going to work, and that's that's basically it. Um, I I never I would never reject revisions or anything like that. But if it's like something they say, let's say it's 11 p.m. or midnight or I, I'm not able to work and they say like, hey, we need these revisions now, then we'll say, okay, then let's find someone who can do them for you, but it's not going to be me. Or I would give them to either like Rene or another friend of mine, or we will find someone else to help me out with it, but I'm not going to do it myself in that case, if it's if it's something like that, which doesn't happen that often, but it does happen sometimes. But I do have other composers who can then step in because uh, all my the, the projects and everything I have, everything is exported with stems. So they can always go in and do changes. Um, but yeah, there are just certain times where I would just say, hey, I'm, I'm not able to doing that now. Yeah. And yeah, from that, I, I don't know why this comes up, but I feel like there is certain leverage when um, when labels start approaching you or when, I mean, when you establish a name for yourself um, to some sort of extent, you can definitely lay the boundaries. I found that with myself uh, where, you know, I was chasing labels for years, but at a certain point when I got my shit together, and I really narrowed down on my style and I understood my strengths um, and labels started approaching me, then I feel like I had this leverage. I wanted to work, 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 but they know my boundaries, they know my limitations, they know I'm not gonna just uh, throw an orchestral piece for them. Um, they know what I'm good at and what I can deliver on. So th that's, that's, um, that's what comes up to me from that, if that makes any sense. Oh yeah, no, totally. That's that's exactly what I think um, happens if you if you lay those boundaries, and I think that's very important. To um, yeah, I guess uh, what you said is at the beginning. I guess everyone has that same thing where you you don't really have the leverage and the power to um, set these boundaries yet because you're just trying to get whatever or you're trying to get the first step out there. But as soon as you are in, in a position where you can set boundaries, you should definitely do set them. Um, yeah, because at the end, it's gonna come back to you and bite you in the ass. Yeah, 100%. Man, I, I was just talking about, before we got on, on the call, I was talking about it with, uh, with a, a friend of mine of just uh, being, being so blessed to get the amount of uh, volume of work that I'm getting, but the, the ability to say no to things is, a very overlooked concept, in my mm -hmm. in my opinion, um, and there's a book called Essentialism uh, that speaks to these things. I I will leave it in the show notes because it's one of the best books I've re I've, I've read lately for sure, and I think that it's it's a must for every musician. But um, it speaks to this concept of being able to to say no as a way of opening a window for what actually needs to come in. Um, so that brings me to the question, what role has community played in your 
role because you you've been talking about how you've made connections and how you kind of rolled to the place that you are in right now it didn't happen in a day and it happened because and due to a lot of connections that you've made along the years how has that played for you community and communication in specific oh yeah i think uh, that's definitely the number one most important thing uh, for me is uh, the connection with people and building a community um i mean from the very start everything so far which led me here is all just through connections through friends or friends from friends and people recommending each other same with how i started my whole career and building everything up with the music with my buddy renee um and then even when you look at my very first uh, tv agency gigs that was all just because i went to people talked to people um and then they ended up working somewhere and then they recommended me and all that uh so or how i got into ghostwriter same same because i talked to brian uh, on facebook then met up with brian um we became friends and uh yeah i mean com communication um is definitely very important um but also you should focus on uh communicating with the right people and don't just go out there and just uh, try to connect with everyone or yeah you just need to find exactly the people with click with you and um who can where you can accomplish each, each other you know um i think that's that's always uh, very important there's always a i never i never liked uh, just texting people and saying like oh hey check out my music or this is that or i want this i want that or can you help me or can this it should it should not always be the that side of, you should try to reach out to people and offer them um to help them or say like hey i i saw what you did there i think that was really great this could also maybe work if we would do this like this or um lots of trailer publishers uh, will say the same thing to not just randomly reach out to them and just submit some random music but you should actually like research what type of music are they doing what sort of placements do they have what's what's their like philosophy and how do they work what composers do they work with and are you really an asset for them do you guys accomplish each other if you would put your music um to them and uh yeah i think that's that's important to do to just do your research and to find the right people for you and focus in on them ah oh, man there's a lot to break down in what you just said there's a lot to break down there because you know like the the thing is that a lot of people don't understand and i have that's kind of my pet peeve i guess when people send me just like an empty message saying hey check out my music it's you almost don't want me to listen to your music cuz i'm already pissed off at you sending me this this random message so like would you do you want these thousand followers on spotify that don't even listen to your shit I mean like is 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 that your goal to just see this number and go like yeah I have a thousand it's just like stop selling your fucking soul mm -hmm. um is what I is what I would say to that it's just like um people are uh, a lot of the time especially in the beginning me included I was so freaking needy so needy and when you're needy you're not going to get the girl in the club 
and you're not gonna get the, the, the gig you want and you're not gonna get anything when you're needy. You're gonna get other needy people surrounding you and have a big needy party and that doesn't look good. It's just not cool. Yeah. So yeah, that, that neediness is, is, um, is gonna kill you. If you're listening to this and you're being needy, just stop that shit. Like, stop that shit. Um, yeah, so let's say, let's say, th th and that's a huge mistake. I see people who reach out to me, even to go on this podcast, they go like, hey, check me out, look at me, this is me. Uh, um, I can talk about me. And I'm like, sorry, bro. Sorry, I'm, I'm just not gonna spend energy even into this. <sighs> okay, now that I've ranted, um, <laughs> let's, move, let's move forward. Um, what, um, what piece of advice would you give your um, composer self who's, who got into sync licensing? Just in general, knowing, knowing what you know, knowing what you know now, if you let's say you started out right now in in, I, I don't I don't know you didn't say exactly where it was on your timeline after college, what was what would be one piece of advice you would give that that kid? Um, I think it would be to really research publishers you want to work with, but also who can who could push your music for it. So again, coming back to doing your um, research um, and finding the right place where your music would really work um, and could stand out. And then obviously, first of all, you need to have your music and production quality up to standard. Um, and then once you, once, you, once you are there, then uh, I would basically go with the route of doing both custom work and also library work. Because library work is something which will bring you in um, basically royalties and money over time. It's going to build up, but it's going to take a while until you will see something from it. Um, and then custom music is is good to just get started and um, yeah, get some earlier placements uh, compared to if you if you just go with library stuff. Um, and just really build build a relationship with your with your publishers and just focus on either just one and maybe even get an exclusive deal with them where they even pay you upfront or a monthly basis to write albums with them so then you can quit your daily job or just do that um or pick a few like two three very good publishers um and try your best to just uh yeah do as much as possible from an early stage and never get discouraged Uh, even if you don't see money coming in after two or three years, I would definitely not get discouraged because sometimes it just takes three to five years to even see the first placements from those places. Um, I see it all the time. I still have uh, songs I did from 2015, which to that they never made any money and all of a sudden they get used for something. And uh, so, yeah, so you never know. Um, and it's always worth it to just keep on going and keep on pushing. Um, Yeah, I think that's that's something I I would I would, I would recommend. Yeah, man, everything you're saying, I have something to chime in on. It's not usually like that, but um, yeah, for for that a hundred percent, and one feeds the other, right? Like if you do a bunch of library work, 
your music skills are going up, so it's gonna feed into the customs and the opposite, right? Like customs feeds your quickness and your like decision-making process. So that feeds your uh, 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 library and uh, your, your library music. And it's kind of like a dance. I, what I would chime in on is, is as a, uh, uh, of setting a vision, just having kind of an outlay of how much you want from customs, how much you want from library. And then it all gets clearer, uh, from my experience anyway, to, to have some sort of uh, uh, a vision of how this looks like. Yeah, no, for sure. And also, just in general, it's important to know that if you go into that, especially with customs, that not everything you work on is going to get placed. And lots of the stuff you do is maybe never even going to get used, but sometimes even customs can be reused later down the line. But it's very important to not get discouraged. That's uh, to get down or not unmotivated because you haven't placed anything. Um, I see that all the time with composers who come to me and say, like, hey, I've been doing this for two years. I had like one tiny ass placement, but it was nothing. And so far, nothing comes in. I'm just frustrated and this and that. And then literally half a year later, they're landing one placement after the other. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it, you just you should just never give up. And, and again, don't be discouraged if something doesn't place. And also don't get too invested um, with what you do. Like, do have passion for it. And try to give it your best, but don't be like, oh, this has to place now and like annoy mm. the annoy the supervisors and ask every single day. So do you have any news? Like what's going to happen with this? Like you just do the work, you write it and then you pretty much just forget about it or move yeah. on, move on to the next thing, you know? That's why it's called release. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Like I, I've, I've talked about it with a friend of mine uh, a while ago and she was saying uh, like, I don't know how you do it. Like you put songs out and you just like let them out. And I have such a, a huge uh, catalog, but it's in my hard drive. And I'm like, that's why it's called release because it's just like, it, it's, it's an actual release. It's you, you let your creativity out. And when you put it on your hard drive and keep it there, you are being selfish. You are depriving the world of your creativity. And now is a time where the world needs quality creativity. It's just like a need that is out there. And if it's, you feel like it's your job to fill it and you have your hard drive filled with shit, you are doing a disservice to yourself and to people who might listen to it. And, and you know what, like sometimes live another day because of it. So um, it, it's, it's pff, man, I 100% I, I agree with what you're saying. I, I love what you were speaking to in the beginning of the conversation. You have a routine. You have a structure to how you work on things. What is your routine, David Youssefi? Um, yeah, I mean, I have since I'm since I'm working um, in house with Ghostwriter, I, I've been I'm working on customs almost on a daily basis. So every single day, I get a new custom in, or um, there are also other projects. I have um, or I'm taking care of. So I'm trying from Monday to Friday. That's where I split up my work um, and usually get up in the morning, get ready. Um, and then I usually don't eat until like midday. Um, and then I just start working. 
and then finish one once I finish like my first batch of work or if I have a custom, usually they're due till noon. Um, so I finish those off. Then I go eat. Then I go back to work. And uh, yeah, and then once I'm once I'm done with all of that, then I usually go to the gym, uh, take care of the dog and go eat some more. Um, and every day, that's usually what I'm doing from Monday to Friday. And then on the weekends, I just try to spend time with my wife and go out or play games or try out new foods. We're big foodies, so we like to travel around and yeah. No coffee in the morning? No, I, I actually don't drink coffee that much. <laughs> Beautiful. That's cool. Intermittent fasting for yeah. life. Yeah, basically. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. The reason I'm asking is, um, it's, yeah, it's, it's one one huge component of, of success, in my opinion, is is a routine, adapting to a routine that's healthy. And it seems like you are definitely on on a path that is um, that has a routine to it and non-negotiables and yeah it looks it looks different in in to, in, in in every person right but I feel like if there are things that you do in the day that are the bare minimum like if you get up and uh, Phil Lober was talking about it last week and yeah two two weeks ago, whenever he was here. And um, he was speaking about it, like my first success is I get up and I drink a huge glass of water. That's his first success and it's awesome. Like, if, uh, I mean, for me, it used to be a cold shower in the morning when I lived in the States. Um, it's just like building up so your creative juices can come out um, and routines are like with every, very successful uh, person I've met, they have to be in, in place in some way, shape or, or form. Oh yeah, no, I mean, routines are definitely very, very important. It's just, if you just think about it, a routine is, again, what you said, um, you can really train your body to actually give you the um, euphoria or the awardness feeling um, of doing simple stuff, like for example, drinking a water. But if you do it every day, it feels like you have like a mission task and you accomplish something. And if we accomplish something, then we always feel good and motivated. So that's the one thing why I think routines are good. But the other thing is that routines also help you to just focus on other things where you cannot really have routines. in. let's say, for example, I get a custom and, um, and they always will be different. Like there will different briefs, different customs or different work all the time, especially working with music. Music is creative. And you, there can't be a strict routine in music because you always have to do new things, um, push boundaries and, you know. So if we do things out of a routine um, or if you actually, if you don't have a routine, then everything you, you do in life is something where you have to think for yourself. For example, okay, mm. what am I going to wear today? Um, when do I get up now? When I do this, or should, what should I cook? What should I eat today? I don't have a, I don't have really a plan. So you you spend so much time focusing on things to trying to figure out. Oh, should I do this now? Should I do that now? Should I should I go to the gym today? Mm. You 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 spend so much time and effort to do uh, for mundane things like that that you don't really have so much energy left to focus on music 
Um, but if all the very basic things in your life or as many things in your life as possible, if they all have a routine and they just happen like clockwork and you don't have to use your brain capacity to focus on them or to think about them, then you can put all of that energy into the important things in life. That's another thing why I think routines can really help you. It's called decision depletion, yeah. uh, what you were talking about. And it is huge. It is, it is one of the biggest robbers of uh, uh, um, successfully doing things. And yeah, another thing that came through is I, I have a puppy. Uh, I've, been, uh, uh, <clears throat> I've been taking care of her in the past two months and hopefully for life. And she takes so much energy from me, right? But then I've, I've done the work and I've, I've uh, read and uh, looked at videos and all that kind of stuff. And I, I realized about crate training where if you, if you get a puppy used to crate, to a crate, you can basically put him there in any time of the day and not worry about if he's uh, biting on your couch or, or you know, biting on the, the, the bed or whatever because it's in its crate and you know it's there. So it's kind of, to me, um, it, the analogy is I don't have to make decisions for him anymore or I don't have to be reactive to him anymore. And another thing that came up, bro, you are bringing so many things uh, up for me, was, um, do you know the practice of isometrics mm -hmm. uh, in the gym? So basically doing unbalanced things with your body. And what that brings to the table is your body is more adapted to doing unbalanced things. And that's, that's basically the function of it. Your body is, is adapting to new positions that are not natural for it and learning to, to and, and being more like water with it. And that's what, that's what uh, you brought up with customs, that you are uh, being thrown at things that you need to be reactive to, but you've already done the grounding in order to be like water, to be uh, um, as ready and as uh, uh, properly engaged as you can in order for these customs to go well. So I'm loving it, man. Um, we're, we're, we're wrapping it up. We're getting to the end. And I have uh, only just a few questions that are, are kind of quick. Sure. And yeah, I'll, I'll just shoot them at you. If you had to describe uh, David Yusefi's production style in three words, what would they be? Mm, three words. Let's see. I'd say reliable quick and what's another good one mm, reliable quick and i don't know fresh hey that's your magic three let's go if you had $500 and a computer and headphones and had to get into the sync world with these only, what would be the first things you would do? With zero, zero, uh, you, you are starting from zero right now. You have a pair of headphones, a computer, a DAW and $500. What, are, what would you do? I would 
I would pro I'm someone who goes on the internet and searches for all kind of recommendations, watches tons of YouTube videos um, about, I would probably search up for lots of, first of all, free things because there are tons of free sample libraries. And then I would contact all the sample library manufacturers you like and um, try to, you can you can write them and you can say like do do research again what we talked about before and then write them like hey i'm really loving what you guys are doing would love to support you guys maybe i could help out um doing the beta testing for you guys or helping you clean up some samples if there's anything you need please let me know or on the other hand i would also love to write some demos for you or do walk through videos on youtube or say anything i can guys help you out i would love to um, do this. I'm I'm just starting out with my music, and I'd love to get my hands on it. But for right now, my budget is it doesn't allow it to me yet. But is there any way we could maybe help each other out that I could have play around with your sounds and I do something for you guys in return? I promise you, if you do that to ten uh, to ten library manufacturers, at least one third of them will say absolutely. Here's our libraries, or here's this and this, or here's a code for extra 50% off, at least uh, 30 to 40% would say that. Um, so then you already save some money and you get some other libraries for free. Um, and then what else would I do with the 500 bucks? Um, I don't know, man. I'll I'll probably yeah, just just see how what, what I will come uh, find on YouTube, what I like good deals and um, yeah, try to try to really do the best out of it. Life hacks, life hacks. Drop the mic. Um, <laughs> David, you said you are off the half. Do you have any any last uh, piece of advice or words for people coming up uh, and wanting to to achieve similar success to you? I mean, my 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 advice would be just to be true to yourself and um, yeah, try to connect with people. Try to go out, especially now after COVID. You know, you can you can try it. You you never know where you where you might meet people. Like you could go out play volleyball or any if you have any like hobbies, you could search on the internet where people meet to to do certain stuff, like playing tennis or you know there are always activities out there and just go meet meet people, go to events, um, and yeah, just try to connect to folks, make some new friends, and then yeah, build build up your career like that. Yeah, that is that is it. You have uh, dropped enough gems for the year, and uh, awesome. yeah, man, thanks so much for coming on Sync Gems, and oh, thank you for having have me. Have a blessed day. Yeah, you too. Yeah. Yo, so after this podcast, after we finished recording. Me and David had an awesome conversation and he actually described how he came up with uh, Brian Wynn. And it's just a reminder that sometimes the people who you come up with are the ones who make you what and who you are. He mentored Brian and in the end, Brian brought him in to Ghost Rider full time. So it's just a beautiful synchronicity. It's just a beautiful karma thing, I guess, and a reminder that long relationships really bring long-term results. If you dig this podcast again, don't forget
forget to go on your podcasting platform, rate and review it. It's super important to show the algorithm that this podcast matters, to show this to new people that need to listen to it, and also to bring on new guests, amazing like the ones I bring right now. Thank you so much for listening. This podcast has been so amazing to make and I am getting so much joy out of it. Hit me up on socials if you feel inclined to and I'll catch you in the next Sync Gems episode. Peace.